All information shared in this video is our educated opinion, formulated from research, judgment, analysis, education, and personal life experience. Any material used from the public domain follows fair use guidelines and applicable laws. The information can be used for illustrative, educational, and or transformative purposes. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act of 1976, allowance is made for fair use purposes such as criticism, comment, news, reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that might otherwise be infringing. This content is for education and entertainment. We encourage others to conduct proper research and, if needed, consult an attorney for legal advice regarding music licensing. Welcome to Sync's Riffs Podcast. My name is Charles Levan, a sync agent from Blue Buddha Entertainment here in Los Angeles. Joining me is my co-host, Chase Walker, and also indie blues rock artist. How's it going, Chase? Good. Happy to be here, man. Well, hey, it's going to be a great day. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for, for joining us. And we got some great emails. And today we're going to break things down about Sync 101. So to set the stage, we get questions from independent artists who have some great songs in their catalog, and they want to know, how can I pitch my songs to film and TV and make money from that catalog? So to set things up, some basic terminology, um, one-stop representation. That's what we do here at Blue Buddha Entertainment. We work with independent artists who own their music. And when we pitch and clear tracks, we have to represent both the master and the publishing. And that model is referred to as one-stop representation. And as an independent artist, you own both sides to that composition. And when I was at Capitol Records in the 90s, the example would be uh, Bad to the Bone by George Thorogood. Uh, Capitol owned the master. EMI Music Publishing had the publishing rights. So the sync department there would pitch it to see a Sopranos episode, place that song for a license fee that was quoted. It would be approved. And then once that song aired, we would get confirmation. They would get confirmation. So that is, in essence, in simple terms, sync exploitation of songs that an artist owns. And there's some wrinkles to that as well. And Chase can talk about if you have co-writers, how that might change things. Because as a sync agent, we're responsible for clearing a hundred percent of a song. You can have a song that has multiple co-writers and a key point there is, you know, ownership, everything has to add up to a hundred percent on the writer and publishing side. So with that, I set the table on stage and Chase can talk about the importance of, of when we vet tracks from an artist. So, um, to break it down, to boil it down, um, the the sync licensing industry is the bridge between the music industry and the film entertainment industry. Well, that expands into uh, uh, T 
TV shows and video games and advertisements and the like. Basically, any any kind of music that's getting synchronized to an uh, audiovisual medium that's not uh, live theater performance. Now, talking about that, the film entertainment, um, but it's also a much more a far greater subdivided bureaucratic hierarchy of things that need to be approved and sent to new people. Um, so essentially when you're thinking about the sync industry, you got to think about a whole industry of subcontractors, right? And so when we get your music and we send it off to a supervisor, they have to compile that music in the same way that we compile our music. They compile their own playlist of music, and they send it off to the showrunner or the producer or the director, or maybe even a, a whole you know group of people who decides together on what's going to be the 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 final placement. So, why all of that's important? Well, when you are putting together your catalog, <clears throat> you need to make sure that you have full, um, unhindered, one-stop rights to license that music and be the sole person that gets to say yes or no to a license. The reason that that is, um, and that the, the way that that can kind of get complicated is that with any piece of artwork or music or a recording that is collaborated upon the creation of that work, upon the creation of that copyright, it is by statute technically owned amongst all of the collaborators equally. And so if no one person in that collaborative group is assigned to be the guy who's going out and exploiting that copyright, then what ends up happening is whoever's offered a license has to go back to their co-writers, back to their collaborators and get their permission before they can move forward with that. Well, in the structure, in, in the bureaucratic hierarchy of the entertainment film industry, no one has the time to be going back and getting permission from 12 different, you know, 12 different collaborators because the deadlines and, and the pacing on things are so quick and, and everyone's working on a dozen different projects anyway, and they're getting a hundred different song submissions. So that's all to say uh, in the sync licensing business, the more one stop you can be the more that you can be the sole administrator, the sole exploitee of that work, even though your collaborators are all still getting paid, the more likely it is that you're going to get your song all the way from, from in your Dropbox folder, all the way into the music supervisor's Dropbox folder, all the way into the showrunner's Dropbox folder, into the shows. Well sum summarized, I mean, one stop rep as, as Chase broke down expedient time clearing the track and that dovetails why music soups and the studios they prefer going through working with the sync agent because we're vetted we go through work with independent artists and and connect the t's and dot the i's there's so a simple example would be if chase and i co-wrote a song 50 50 we own both the writer and the publishing and we're uh, independently published. So we would register that song through a PRO 
And as far as the master goes, say we recorded in Chase's studio, so we own the masters outright. One good wrinkle and an example to share would be, let's say Chase wanna, went down and there was a, a larger studio that recorded the master. Do you want to talk about Chase? In that case, let's say someone funded recording your master, the rights might be 50-50 between yourself and, and the studio. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, with any collaborative uh, project, there's no like standardized way that anything gets split. It's all dependent on the negotiation. However, with a master recording, say you go into a studio and you have a deal with the, with a record label and they pay for it outright. And you just, you just go into the studio and make a record on, on their dime. Right. Technically speaking, if you don't sign anything with them that says that you own part of what you're creating, they're the ones who paid for it. They're the ones that own it. You know what I mean? Um, and the same is true if say you're your own producer and you make your own music, but then you have musicians come in to play certain parts on the record. Well, again, if you don't sign anything that says that you own 100% of it or that you're splitting it in any particular way, it's assumed in a, in a court of law that you split it equally, right? Um, mm -hmm. So you can kind of think of everything for the master recording and all the collaborative efforts that happen there in the same sense of a co-write where you know, if, if, the, if you're writing a song with someone and you don't say, okay, well, I wrote, I came to the table with more of this song. I want to take, I want to take 75% if you're cool with taking 25%. If you mm -hmm. don't say that, technically you're both getting 50 because you know, no one's, yes. you know, no one's going to fight that battle for you. That's a, that's a great point, Chase. And that's something, you know, we're, we'll work with a lot of independent artists who may not have the manager. So these are things that when we do deals with our independent artists, we'll walk them through because it's important. And I'm, you know, Chase, I'm, you know, you're in the studio, you're working, doing collabs and above all is, you know, putting something in writing. It could be a simple one pager, all the parties identified, agreed to on this state, mutual agreement that it's a 50, 50 split of the master 50, 50 of the writing and the publishing everybody signs it and that document everyone has a copy so there's full transparency and that just legally protects all parties so that way if you're an independent artist and you decide that you're going to work with a sync agent everything's been papered it's not a handshake deal because i've seen cases where things happen artists record tracks they break up there might be some bad harsh feelings and the songwriter, the singer, the lead person continues on trying to pitch those songs and without previous approvals. And the quagmire, the biggest thing is nothing's in writing. Time passes. People forget. And especially if, there's a, if, if it's a bad breakup between band members, then it can get litigious. So these are things that why the studios trust what we do. I mean, Music Soup's and studio execs can get music from anywhere. There's, there's not a shortage of music, but a key point is the needs of the supers at that time. And also clearing the song. If they trust an artist and take their word for it, sure. It might work out, but there could be underneath you pull the cover up on the car. Like, oh, whoa, there's five co-writers 
one co-writer is administered by a major by a major publisher. Uh oh, it blows up the budget. Everyone has mud on their face. So that's what the benefit of working with an agent who will vet all your tracks and ensure will market your songs the right way. Um, and that's a great segue is um, in the next podcast to give a sneak preview, we're going to talk about the art of the pitch, what we do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, there's something called a, a music brief that I shared, uh, sent to us by the music soups. And in, in the next po- episode, we'll talk about how that works. So if you're an indie artist working with us, we're actively pitching your songs in that space. And with that, I think a good segue is monetization. Chase, say you have 50 tracks in your, in your catalog. You work with a Blue Buddha agent. So if you want to walk us through the commissions, we can talk about commissions and the performance income. That's that's the mailbox money. It's, you know, a lot of people, yeah. Yeah. Um, so w- with Sync, um, you, you have essentially uh, three, three kinds of payouts. Two get paid out at the same time. And then the third is um, a back-end royalty. So your first two are your your master use royalty for the sync license. And the second is the publishing use royalty for the sync license. And so then in, in the sync space, the terminology for that is aside. So if they're if they're talking, you know, five thousand for a placement aside, that is five thousand for the master, five thousand for the publishing. Most of the time these days, a lot of the deals are all in, so that's not necessarily something to worry about. But um, essentially, um, uh, the those two licenses come in as your upfront sync license. That's what they paid you just to agree to let them use the song in the the production, in the the show or the film or whatever. It, it may be in the first place. Then once the, the placement starts airing, you then get what's called a performance rate because on that show or that advertisement or that film, it is by statute considered a public performance. Um, and so um, for that, at each time that show airs, the, production company will send a royalty to whatever PRO that song is registered to for however many times it's aired, however many views it's gotten. There's a, there's a whole um, breakdown of how they pay those royalties out, but essentially those are the royalties that you'll see coming in on a consistent basis where the sync license tends to be a one-time upfront fee. Yeah. And it's, you know, the terminology that we like to use and, and it's true to heart is, you know, mailbox money, uh, that ain't, you know, you take the perfect example of a Grey's Anatomy, a huge syndicated show airing in 50 plus, uh, countries, you have reruns, uh, especially if it's a big use of a montage use or a theme song, 
And all that adds up, that formula of what you get paid on the back end, and then it's paid out quarterly, and you call, we call that mail, uh, mailbox money. And so that's what, you know, what we live for as, as an agent pitching in indie arts and in, in in those types of mediums. Um, what else? You talked about, uh, yeah, aside. So if someone quotes us and says, you know, the budget's 10000 all in. So that's all in is, and you don't have to break it down. So it's 5,000 aside. Uh, so those are great examples. And then something to segue terminology wise, um, the rights when we sync a song for television, a good example is uh, the acronym AMXT. So if Chase, if I was pitching his track for a one minute background vocal in a show, um, and their budget, their quote is 3000 AMXT. So that means all media excluding theatrical. So all media means all media here in, in perpetuity. So in the old days, 2002, when Blue Boot Dope started, we had Blu-ray, we had DVDs and we had ancillary streams. Those were broken out as options. So we would have the TV use was say 1500 or 2000. And then if the option were picked up for release on DVD or Blu-ray or streaming, those were separate stream uh, revenue streams. So now it's AMXT and that's something that we, we negotiate on behalf of the indie artist. And with that, I think it's, it's great, you know, uh, we get emails on this topic matter. So something we're going to offer April 19th at 10 a.m. is a one-hour webisode, basically Sync 101. Chase and I, we're going to uh, be on this, this sync, free Sync Zoom. You can get info on our IG page, which is at Blue Buddha ENT. You can sign up. There'll be a wait list there. We'll have a Q&A. We're going to do a short presentation on some other topics that individuals have always asked us about how Sync works. It'll be great. One hour free Zoom. Check it out. And with that, on the next podcast, we're going to break things down. The art of the pitch. What do we do as sync agents working with music supers? So the art of the pitch episode two, really going to be informative. And thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear today, subscribe, leave questions, comments, anything you want to hear in future podcast, hit the like button, tell your friends on blue Buddha ants on YouTube and really appreciate it. And we'll catch you on the other side. Have a great one guys. Go.